And welcome back to Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. I'm Justin. And I'm Josh. Today we have a very special guest with us. You want to introduce yourself for us? Well, I'm John Reese, and I'm excited to be on the show today. Cool. So, uh, how do you? Uh, so, Josh, give us a little bit of background. Why is why is uh, why is John here? So, John is here. He's a teacher at Oakville. I'm a teacher at Melville. But we got we were doing some summer school stuff this summer, and I found out that he may be the nerdiest guy I know. This man <laughs> knows toys. How many, John? How many Funko Pops do you have? Um, Funko Pops. I'm getting close to 800 uh, total. But I do way more than Funko Pops. I collect a wide variety of action figures from WWE to Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, and just the list keeps going. Cool. So for, for people who may not know, tell us a little bit about the Funko Pops. Uh, Funko Pops, it started, I uh, believe, in 2010, the first Pops were introduced. And what really, they're just the little characters, they're vinyl and they're in these little white boxes, and people just love them because Funko is able to get the license to just about everything. So because they get the license to everything, it appeals to everybody. They're usually about $10, so it's a great little gift for someone who likes whatever TV show you're watching, whatever you're nerding out on, you can (laughs) get a little Funko Pop for it. We were told recently that we were pretty dumb by not purchasing kind of limited edition Funko Pops at comic-con a couple years ago when we were there right yeah if if you had a chance to get some of those san diego ones they are crazy uh hard to get and they even have special stickers on them that show hey i was at the con this isn't just like a shared exclusive i got at gamestop uh, but some of those older ones uh, go for thousands of dollars uh, the toy tokyo ones there's the game of thrones uh, the famous Ned Stark, where he's uh, decapitated in a Funko Pop, goes for a couple thousand. I'm going to blame Josh on this. He he was in a rush. He had to get home and call his wife, and he, we didn't have time to buy anything. You know, calling my wife's an important part of my day. I know, okay, but yeah, like, I think that she'd be she'd rather have that thousand dollar. Yeah, that would have been spent by now, I'm sure. So yeah, well, that's what you do with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get to uh, thanks again for joining us. Let's talk a little bit about kind of what we've been nerding out on. So. I'll go first. I started watching this show, and I should say started and finished this show called Good Omens. Have either of you seen it yet on Amazon Prime? I have not. I saw the trailer. looked good. All right. Well, it is pretty fantastic. It's, it's an Amazon original. It's actually set in 2018, and the whole idea is that it's, it's a demon and, and an angel, and they've been longtime friends basically since life on Earth began, and they are contrary to what you would think the demon especially are trying to stop the coming of the antichrist and basically stop armageddon and save the world this feels a little sacrilege to me oh you would hate this yes don't you watch this i probably won't you probably should watch it (laughs) i don't know how religious you might be but it is i mean the, the opening scene is like the adam and eve and the 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 demon crawley is giving you know is 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 the snake and he's had, handing him the apple and then meanwhile the angel's going eh, maybe you shouldn't do that and it's just a, it's it's a comedic spin on anyway it's not as sacrilegious as you might think may 31st it came out 2019 that's probably the day i binge watched it um it's written by terry pratchett who it's based on a novel and then neil gaiman who also um wrote the screenplay and, and the novel as well and he's known for um stardust and a couple episodes of doctor who and then, Sandman, for sure. Yeah, uh, he's famous for the Sandman graphic novels. Perfect, good. See, we get to add some more information mm-hmm. here because we're not super nerds. Well, we are nerds, we're, but we're you know, <laughs> different version of nerds. Yes. Um, 
couple stars. If you if you again if you like Doctor Who, he's been in a whole bunch of other stuff. David Tennant, he plays Crowley. Michael Sheen plays uh, Aziraphale. Uh, Francis McDormand is like the voice of God. And then we've got John Hamm, who plays Gabriel, one of the angels. Interesting. Yeah, it's awesome. Just yeah. check it out. It's a fantastic cast. I know. And there's even more. I just added the main main people on there. So worth it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's you? let's get to mine. You know, I'm, I'm not sacrilege, so I would not be watching that. But uh, I watched recently National Lampoon's Vacation. Either of you guys seen the movie? Of course. It's I mean, a classic. I was going to say, like, this week? I haven't watched it this week, but yeah. I have seen it many, many times. <laughs> so, summary, I think most people know what's going on here, but the Griswold family's cross-country drive to Wally World theme park proves to be too much to be much more arduous than they ever anticipated. It debuted July 29th, 1983. It's directed by Harold Ramis. It was written by John Hughes. It's got Chevy Chase as Clark Griswold, Beverly D'Angelo as Ellen Griswold, Randy Quaid, hilariously, as Cousin Eddie, Anthony Michael Hall as Rusty Griswold, Dana Barron as Audrey Griswold, and then Imogene Coca as Aunt Edna. Some thoughts on it. I mean, I think most people who listen to this show have probably seen it, but it's one of the funniest movies I've seen, and we watched it while we were on vacation, you know, and then so... That's fitting. Was your vacation similar to their vacation? It was not that bad. No, I didn't, like, drive off the road or anything like no. that, so... I, I personally like Christmas Vacation oh, better. My favorite is Christmas Vacation, John. Well... I've got a few Christmas vacation action figures. Uh, two Clark Griswolds from NECA, uh, the two Funko Pops, and uh, I've got uh, the Moose. Said, uh, sorry, folks, the uh, sign up front should have told you this closed. I've got one of those in a little bank form at home. What, what's the quote? He says, uh, Where do you want to go to vacation, Russ? Hawaii. <laughs> Shut up, Russ. <laughs> how, about you, how about you, Audrey? Yeah. Wally World. Wally World, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Russ is Russ is just that classic son character in all yeah. the movies. So well, I mean that's Anthony Michael Hall is one of his first mm-hmm. first debut. Fil- I don't know if it's a debut film, one of his first things. So I saw a nerd fact about that recently as to where he actually got caught peeping on Beverly D'Angelo's nude scene on set. They caught him peeping in on her while they were filming that scene. So, really? Yes. C- can you blame him? Yeah. <laughs> Did not know that. How many Rusties have there been? Well, there's at least three I can think of. Well, you know, there's four because every one of them is a new Rusty. Is he in? I I haven't seen European Vacation. He's not in. It's a different Rusty. So totally five because Ed Helms actually plays Rusty. Oh, you're right. In the latest quote-unquote vacation movie, which is actually not terrible. It's not bad. What's the one from Christmas Vacation? I know he's the guy from uh, Big Bang Theory and he's from Roseanne. And I'm totally blanking on his name right now. I'll think of it in a little bit. but. But, yeah, he's one of the most well – I guess – I don't know. Anthony Michael Hall is pretty well-known, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, All John, right. let's get into you. Uh, for me, what I just nerded out on, I actually uh, just saw it for the first time, the movie Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. Uh, debuted back in May – or back on May nineteenth, nineteen 1989, directed by Rowdy Harrington, written by David Lee Henry. Uh, it's the story about a bouncer who's the best in the business, and he uh, – moves to Kansas City, of all places, to uh, fix this rough little bar and clean it up. Uh, other notable people on the cast were uh, Sam Elliott, 
And uh, Terry Funk, wrestling legend. Hmm. Uh, I did not even know he starred in this film. I just happy surprise. Uh, but I, I felt like it was so bad it was good. You guys have any thoughts? I mean, I think it's a fantastic. It's one of those movies that, again, is just not. If you think about like as far as the plot, it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, in some of the things he does, he just rips he out. He rips dudes' throat out. Throats yeah. out, right? Yeah. I just remember like in Parks and Rec, Andy like acting out the whole film, and that's the part of it where he's like, he rips out the juggler. And he's like, he'll, he'll never speak again. Like it's just totally ridiculous. But the movie itself, I mean, I love it. Yeah, it's gratuitous violence. I mean, when that. you think 1980s, you think Roadhouse and Swayze. I mean, yeah, yeah like peak cool. Yes, right. So. I just kept thinking, watching it, shouldn't all these people be in jail with the amount of violence? And then the cops were just kind of, well, whatever, this happens. Yeah, it's a small little town, and there's this massive drug ring, like, in the middle of, like, what did you say, Kansas City? Like, Yeah, it didn't even have a Kansas City feel. It had, like, a middle Middle Kansas. Yeah. Middle Missouri, Oklahoma, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, Well, that's pretty great that you finally got a chance to see that. Good for you. Uh, Johnny Galecki, by the way, is his name. I knew it would come to be eventually. So, all right. Well, enough of what we nerded out on. Let's talk about, let's go into full nerd. So, as you can probably guess, we're going to talk about some nerd toys. Yeah, and again, we have the expert with us today. So, let's look at some honorable mentions of our favorite toys growing up. For me, I had a Daniel Boone rifle and a coonskin hat that I would always wear, and I'd go out in the back. I'm a history nerd. I'd go out in the back on my porch and play with it. Ninja Turtles. <laughs> All Batman toys, especially the Batcave and the Batmobile, that I really enjoyed playing with. So, Yeah, and I put on their Transformers. Big fan of Transformers. Legos, obviously. I don't know if you consider these nerd toys, but I, you know, I think they are kind of. Lincoln Logs, He-Man, all classics. John? What about you, John? Uh, Power Rangers was a big one for me growing up. Voltron. Uh, G.I. Joe, which you guys, I think, are going to talk about it. And mm. just, uh, I always wanted WWE figures as a child, and I've got them now. We're going to, you're going to talk about that here a little bit later. So, yeah, and there's a couple others I didn't mention either because we're going to, we're going to go into some more depth. But we'll talk, we'll start with, uh, one Josh kind of picked out, and I'm sure most people have heard of this one. Yeah. So I was a huge G.I. Joe fan growing up. So about G.I. Joe's, it's a line of action figures that was owned by Hasbro. And it is the initial product offering represented four branches of the U.S. Armed Forces. You had the Action Soldier, who's the U.S. Army, the Action Sailor, who was the Navy, Action Pilot, who is the Air Force, Action Marine, who is the Marine Corps, and later on, you have the Action Nurse. If you, There's a really awesome documentary on Netflix right now. about It's called The Toys That Made Us, and they do a great job of really giving you a breakdown of kind of G.I. Joe and the evolution history of it. Yeah, my wife caught me watching that the other night, and she actually tagged John on Facebook and accused him of making me into a nerd. So, well, you were yeah. just studying up; you were doing yeah. your due diligence. I, I'm doing my research. Yeah. So, and so I'm. Go ahead. I say I wasn't expecting to get homework when I agreed to do this podcast, but yeah, it's been great, and I'm glad you guys did some research. Yeah, we don't. We can't come in here blind. We don't know that much. So, uh, you know, I kind of bring that up, too, is that, you know, something that's important to, to understand is that the G.I. Joe trademark is, has been used for a lot of different toy lines, but really it wasn't always that successful. The most recent one we know are like the mini, mini action figure size. There was also a 12-inch, which is the original line introduced in 1964, and they were much more large and they were really realistic action, action figures. 
So G.I. Joe was also uh, inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame at the Strong in Rochester, New York in 2003. Uh, they wanted to make uh, the male Barbie and a man named Stan Weston came up with the idea. You been to the National Toy Hall of Fame? I have not, but it's now on my list. <laughs> I didn't even know there was one, but we should have assumed. Yes. Uh, there is a pretty nice toy museum in Branson, if you guys want to take a vacation. I was just there this weekend, and I thought about that. I thought about John. I told Chelsea, I was like, I bet John has been here before. So Did you not go? We didn't have time to go. No, we're at Silver Dollar City, so... Okay. I don't think I was allowed to go either. Probably was the main thing, but oh, you should have popped in there a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, the conventional marketing wisdom of the early 1960s was that boys wouldn't play with dolls, so they didn't want to call them dolls. So instead of that, they coined the term action figure, and that has since become the generic description for any posable doll intended for boys. So yeah, that's kind of cool to think that GI Joes were the reason that. Uh, we have action figures now. So, And what was the big difference between G.I. Joe and Barbie? Thumbs. He had opposable thumbs? Yeah, it was the Kung Fu Grip. Legendary known for that. Kung Fu Grip. <laughs> so, That's pretty hilarious. So what's your, what's your favorite one? My favorite one growing up, and I, I still have this toy at my mom's house, was, was Duke. You guys ever play with Duke growing up? Sure. Yeah, I uh, love Duke. He's a St. Louis boy. He is, yeah. So Duke is the code name of First Sergeant Conrad S. Hauser, and was born in St. Louis, Missouri, which is cool. He is a skilled polyglot, being fluent in English, French, and German, as well as several Southeast Asian languages. I mean, this guy knows it all. I mean, this is a really that's a really detailed biography yeah. of this action Oh, theory. they went so in the depth. You watch that toy documentary, they go so in the depth on their backstories. It's crazy. Well, that's what gets kids excited about it, yeah. and that's kind of how you spawn comics and television shows, etc. So... Some more about him. He's the field commander, and he's second in command of the G.I. Joe team after Hawk. And he's basically like a rugged leader. He ser- he um, gives precise orders. He's a his source of history. This is probably why you like him, Josh. A source of history and knowledge. And he's a fair settler of disputes. So after the G.I. Joe team disappeared, Duke disappeared. Uh, it was later learned that he'd been performing black ops for a secret government agency his missions of which are still highly classified. Uh, one such mission was to locate and detain the mercenary Major Blood, uh, which led to evidence that Cobra Commander had returned and hastened, or hastened uh, the reinstatement of G.I. Joe. So much information. I know. Background. So much. <laughs> so, so let's get on some nerd facts about Duke. Duke was one of the first mail-away figures created in 1983 for the G.I. Joe. He's a three-and-three-fourths, a three-fourth-inch action figure line of G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Yeah, that's how they were at one point sold. They were mail-away. You yeah. couldn't buy them at the retail mm-hmm. stores, or at least for a while, until they became popular. Uh, that figure was recolored and released as the leader of the Tiger Force line in 1988. Uh, a new version of Duke was released again in 1992. Uh, another version was released as part of the Battle Corps line in 93. Uh, new versions of Duke were also released uh, later again in 93 and 94 uh, as commander of the Star Brigade line. Yeah, so and in response to the high demand from nostalgic collectors of the vintage-era G.I. Joe action figures, Hasbro 
introduced the G.I. Joe Hall of Fame era 12-inch action figures in 1991. Duke was the first 12-inch action figure produced in the Hasbro G.I. Joe line since 1978. And it was sold exclusively at Target. Interesting. I wouldn't, yeah. have, wouldn't have thought that. And actually, the, it was so popular, they convinced Hasbro to unleash a new series of 12-inch G.I. Joe action figures known as the Hall of Fame series. And pretty much that series, for the most part, led to the three and three-quarter inch action figure characters. Yep. So, you know, it's a lot of inspiration there, obviously. And that's I think that's what most of us remember playing with, at least mm-hmm. our For age. me, yeah. 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 So For you, because you're so you're so young. I'm young. You're so I much just, younger than John everyone. got to hear this whole summer about how I turned thirty this year. So yeah, it was pretty crazy. I'm old now. So Sorry, which one were you guys playing with? The three and three quarter or the twelve inch? I was playing with the small one. I was a twelve inch. Yeah. Oh. So we're a little different. Yeah. Oh. Justin, aging yourself here. You're the old man of the podcast, I think. So well, I think I sound hipper, though. You guys have the big 12-inch ones. No, no. I was three and three-quarter all the way. Okay. I've so, got the 12-inch ones. So You're also wearing the Davy. You probably had a Davy Crockett coonskin cap on. Possibly. Playing with this 12-inch figurine Possibly. outside by yourself. I was by myself. Why do you think I have to give so many shout-outs now? I have to compensate for that. And little brother Jonah's inside just shaking his head. No, at little brother, brother was normally... Dragged along okay, to play with right. me. Dragged along. <laughs> and don't knock that hat. I had one of those also. Well, I, but if you, I just can picture, especially now with the beard, like it would actually look, I mean, normal on you, which is funny to say. Mm-hmm. You could pull it off, I think. That's a compliment. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right. So some more for, about Duke for you guys. Uh, Duke's released in a box packed with Snake Eyes, Scarlet, Roadblock, and Gung Ho. Uh, created from an entirely new mold that was based heavily on the original design. Uh, he was also released in several single packs. One uh, included his jet pack, featured in the opening credits of the G.I. Joe movie. Uh, the comic packs, movie packs, uh, and multi-packs are all uh, single are all releases for uh, Duke as well. Did you guys see the G.I. Joe movie? Do you guys remember that, the cartoon? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was amazing. Yeah. So good. Yeah, so great. So, uh, talk about another movie. To coincide with the launch of the movie G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, Hasbro released at least two figures in 2009 based on the Duke movie character. For both releases, he is listed as Conrad Duke Hauser. They also had another one released for G.I. Joe Retaliation. Were you guys fans of the newer movies, the the non-cartoon one? I did not mind the first. I think, personally, Channing Tatum is a terrible actor. Um, unless he's in like comedy movies, like Twenty One Jump Street, love that movie. We just lost a bunch of our audience by you saying that. Yes, sorry everybody out there. He he frustrates me. You guys know that I get frustrated with things. Have you so. not seen This Is the End? That's maybe his best role. I that's sacrilege. Again, I saw that movie and I wanted to leave because sacrilege. Oh my gosh. What about She's the Man? Channing Tatum, he's got acting chops, and I love the GI Joe movies. Yeah. I, my only regret was. He was in the second one so little. Yes, yeah, spoiler alert, but yeah, uh, he dies in the second one, guys. Oh, well, you didn't so. have to say that. You can <laughs> yeah. let people figure it out. I like the G- the new ones. I I'd actually only saw part of the second one, but the first one I was I big into. I liked the first one. I thought it was cool. I liked that they really like focused on like Snake Eyes and other characters. Snake and Eyes was, is he, a very cool. He, he was always my favorite character. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys, having seen the TV show, I learned a lot about the Snake Eyes character. Basically, they just didn't... They wanted to create a character that was simple, and they just decided to take the plastic mold and just not put anything on it mm-hmm. and just paint it all black, and 
Snake Eyes. And he's the most popular selling G.I. Joe action figure of all time. Yeah, that's crazy. Pretty great. So, uh, so some more information for you guys. And an interview with Toy Fair Magazine, G.I. Joe comic book writer uh, Larry Hama admitted that he could never get a handle on Duke. According to Hama, military comic book conventions uh, maintain that commanding officer is the good cop and the first sergeant is the bad cop. And Duke as first sergeant never really fit the bad cop mold. All right, let's look at the legacy of Duke. So in the Marvel Comics G.I. Joe series, Duke first appears in an issue number 22. He and Roadblock act as security for the funeral of General Flagg, shooting down an attacking rattler plane. Yeah, and he's had different roles. At one point, he was actually the field leader of G.I. Joe in a, in a miniseries called The Mass Device. He's also been the main character in several animated G.I. Joe movies, um, like G.I. Joe the movie, Sigma Six, and Renegades. Yep. So in the live-action film, we talked about already, the, but Channing Tatum was Duke uh, in those two movies. And, uh, yeah, he was back for the sequel, but as Josh spoiled... He might not be in it that much. Uh, but, yeah, after saving Flint, uh, Duke's, uh, yeah, he uh, got, got killed off. Sad, sad day. I'm kind of like an expert spoiler. I mean, for example, I had a student once blame me for spoiling Titanic. I don't yeah. know why. I, I, I just knew you were going to say Titanic. Yeah. I just had a feeling. I go, if you haven't seen that movie, I could not see that movie and know that Jack was going to die like without even seeing that movie, you know that's what's going to happen. Well, in that you movie. know the boat boat's going to. Yeah, sink. you know the boat's that's, going. You definitely down. know that. Another spoiler alert, guys. Lincoln is assassinated. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Whoa. <laughs> John looks stunned by knowing <laughs> by hearing that. So I mean, I think we've all kind of discussed why we love it. There's obviously a personal connection behind it, right? Yeah, you know, I he was always my lead GI Joe when I was playing. He went on my vacations with me. He'd play in the sand and the beach. He had blonde hair, the iconic scar on his cheek for the Joes. And here, we and my little brother, Jonah, who's been a guest before, we spent a lot of time playing. Normally, he was the bad guy and I was a good guy. He has just older brother privilege right there. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love Duke, Snake Eyes, and the Storm Shadow, Firefly, they were all great. Tunnel Rat was always my favorite G.I. Joe. That's a really w- rare one. I'm sticking with Snake Eyes, but you don't hear Tunnel Rat very mm-hmm. well. You seem like a unique guy. Oh, yeah. He is very <laughs> unique. Yes. Uh, all right, so let's move on. We've got a couple more to talk about. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about Voltron. We're all going to talk about Voltron. Uh, if you haven't heard about Voltron, it was. Uh, this is actually unique. That's why I like it so much. It's actually like kind of backwards than a lot of these other action figures are or toys. It's actually based on an animated television series franchise that featured a team of space explorers who pilot a giant super robot known as Voltron. Unlike a lot of other action figures that basically there are shows and comics that spin off of the action figures or are created to make this the toys popular, these toys were made because of the shows. So, And Voltron's going to tell the story of five pilots battling to the save the, pla- save the planet... Eris? Is that right? Yeah, it sounds right. Okay. And the rest of the universe from the diabolical King Zarkon. Uh, the only thing that stands in Zarkon's way is Voltron, a mighty robot that's composed of five spaceships that look like lions that have to form together. 
it's funny that you like you're reading the plot and I've seen this show I don't know how many times I couldn't gun to my head I would never have come up with any of the plot all I know is that the four or the five robots turned into one giant mega robot mm-hmm. the lions into a mega robot Voltron no idea who they were fighting the whole time do you guys I mean did you guys remember that no yeah did you guys have the toys growing up? Oh, absolutely. I still have I still have the toy. I, I, I was not a big Voltron fan. I think I might have had one toy of his. So Yeah. I had two of the lions. It's still very heartbreaking to this day because I could never form Voltron. Yeah, that's kind of the whole point. Yeah. I had all five and I still have all five, but Hashtag they're mis- blessed. They're missing I mean, <laughs> they're yeah, missing so. pieces. They're not in the boxes. They're not worth all the money they would be worth if I had not opened them. Well, you just got to put those on a shelf in your basement. I mean, that's what well, that's where you put toys, right, John? I uh, get a little detolf, one of those nice stands from Ikea, stack them up in there real nice. <laughs> I'll look into that. But I'm afraid it'll just disintegrate in my hand. I, I, it's so old, and yeah. I, I, it's been through some, some rough times. <laughs> so Voltron was produced by Ted Koplar through his production company, World Events Productions. Voltron was an adaptation of several Japanese anime TV series from Toy Animation. Yeah, and the original TV series aired in syndication from September 10th, 1984 to November 18th, 1985. First season of Voltron featuring the Lion Force Voltron was adapted from the series Beast King Go Lion. And the second season featured the vehicle team Voltron was adapted from the unrelated series Armored Fleet Derriger XV-15. And, and, you know, Voltron Defenders of the Universe was not a long, or around very long, only two years, but it was the top-rated syndicated TV show, children's TV show during that time. Uh, Matchbox imported the Lion Force Voltron, Gladiator Voltron, and Vehicle Force Voltron diecast toys uh, from Poppy or Popey. I've heard it pronounced both ways uh, in 1984. So who's your Popey or Poppy? <laughs> yeah, they come in five colors, black, red, blue, yellow, and green. The black lion forms the main body of Voltron, while the arms are formed by the red and green lions, and the legs are formed by the blue and yellow lions. So, John, which ones did you have? I had the black and yellow. So I had the the chest piece with the black lion, so that was nice. And uh, I had the the coffin, just the random villain coffin spaceship. (laughs) Nice. so there's a, you know, there's a lot of legacy behind this. It's Number one, it's inspired eight other series slash movies, including a, a brand new Netflix show. It's also got comic books that it's produced in the last four decades and a video game in 2009. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, I, I wasn't a huge Voltron fan, but it seems like you guys have some personal connections and why you love it. So, I, You know, I just remember watching that. That was a show that I watched growing up. You guys, well... I know that Josh was definitely watching Power Rangers. Yeah, I was a Power but, Rangers. But I mean, fan. Power Rangers. I, I I couldn't find anywhere that Power Rangers was inspired by Voltron, but it has to be. I don't know how it wouldn't be. Giant robots that form together. Right. That's I mean, what it has to. Now I, I I did find a lot of research where people were saying, well, they're not sure like which one actually came first. There's arguments that actually Power Rangers was created first, but Voltron was the first to kind of make it big, you know, in Japan. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, come on. If you, if you don't think there's any inspiration one way or the other, I think you're crazy. Basically the same thing. And that's uh, another one. They've got ties to St. Louis. They're still located here, their headquarters. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, let's John, move on to our guest of yeah. honor today. What do you got for us here? Well, I was going to talk to you guys about wrestling, and I was just curious, did, do either of you guys watch it at all or collect the toys growing up? You know, I the last time I really watched it was when it was still called WWF. 
So that's been a while. I've never watched wrestling. No. <laughs> I did play the video games. The video games were fun, but... Do you know what I, when I got turned off from wrestling? It was probably when Hulk Hogan turned bad. That's how that long... Was, that was a dark day in America. I know. <laughs> when Hulkamania died. I know. That's how... Now, I think I stuck around long enough to see him turn back to good. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, Josh, you mentioned... Uh, the video games, a lot of wrestlers, their big thing is the first time they get an action figure or first time they get inside a video game, uh, that's a big moment for the uh, wrestling community. And uh, I'm just going to take you guys through a little bit of it. Uh, there are a large number of wrestling figure companies over the years. Uh, the earliest one I remember was the LJNs that ran from 84 to 89. Do you guys remember the big rubber figures? Ever seen them? Those are the ones Those are the ones I had. I had the Macho Man. I had Hulk Hogan. And then I don't know if I had the Undertaker. I had the Undertaker toy of, some, in, in, of, of something. Right? I think I may have had a Hulk Hogan one, possibly. Maybe. I didn't have many wrestling toys, yeah. though. It was really little. I'm, I'm trying to hard. It's hard to remember. Anyway. Okay, so the LJN guys ran from 84 to 89. I don't think there was a taker, but they're, they're going to be the big rubber guys where you're okay. going to hit somebody with it, and it's just a big chunk of rubber, uh, and that was WWF. After the LJNs came the Hasbros, and the Hasbros were the little hard plastic guys. Extremely nostalgic for me because uh, I didn't get wrestling toys as a kid. My parents didn't like it, so I thought they'd love Josh as a son. Who wouldn't love me as a son, though, is the real question. You know, I mean, I don't know. So, yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm just no comment for me. <laughs> well, those little Hasbros, I never got to play with as a child. Uh, my best friend had them, my neighbor had them, and they had tons. I, I think they had complete sets or near complete. And I just thought they were the coolest things, but I never got into them. Uh, fast forward from Hasbro, after they lose the license, there's a dark period where there weren't really wrestling figures for a couple years. Uh, then Jack's Pacific picked up the license, and they ran with these bone-crunching action figures that were supposed to make bone-crunching sounds when you played with them. Uh, they lasted a few years, and they switched over to the Titantron Live series, and they came with uh, a little stage with a Vince McMahon action figure. I always liked when Vince McMahon wrestled. I don't know why. I always thought that was funny. Like, he just all of a sudden would be a part of the show. He was always part of the show, but then, like, I didn't realize he was, I mean, mean, he's always jacked and huge. Well, they kept it secret for so long. He was just the announcer. Nobody knew he was the owner, but some people thought he was. Right. So. Always scandalous with that guy. Yeah, absolutely. So, there was a set, the stage, that came with a Vince action figure. And from there, it was the Titantron Live figures from 99 to 03-ish. Uh, and in that time period, they also came with these R3 figures. Um, the, the Titantrons were very bulky. The heads, they started out really as garbage, and then they started doing real scan on the heads, and they got really good. And then the R3s were an attempt to, well, let's make... Uh, make them all in scale so they're all like the short guys are short the tall guys are super tall and they lasted a couple series and didn't really go over well but then jacks really came on the scene with the ruthless aggression style and that lasted from 03 to 09 and in that ruthless aggression style they came out with the first classic toy line within it Uh, and what's really cool about this was you got to have your hulk hogan your jake the snake your brutus the barber beefcake all those guys from the past updated with a new line. 
Uh, do you guys remember them at all? No. Of course, of, co- <laughs> of course, I do. Who was a big tall guy? Andre the Giant was he a, a wrestler? Right? Maybe. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Razor Ramon. Chico. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so you get you guys know a, a brief summary of wrestling figures now. Uh, after Jax lost the license, it switched to Mattel in 2010, uh, and they've been going strong uh, for nine years, almost ten now, and they are making some of the best product out there. Uh, they do the classics as well as the new guys, and they are in scale. Uh, so that's kind of the new thing. What they just did at San Diego Comic-Con, something iconic even Josh will know, is who was the guy on the old Slim Jim commercials? Josh? Randy Savage. That's right. Macho Man Savage. Yeah. See? Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. Something Snap like that. Snap into a Slim Jim. Yeah. <laughs> he was also in Spider-Man. The, the first one with Tobey Maguire. Bone saw. Yep. <laughs> That's the guy in the cage match. Oh, yeah. Okay. I knew that. I didn't know that one. So so at San Diego Comic-Con this year, these wrestling figures exploded, and are they made a Macho Man in a Slim Jim package where he's actually holding Slim Jim toys, and uh, Mattel partnered with Slim Jim to make it. You know, Nerd is a New Cool is heading to San Diego Comic-Con 2020. Most likely. So, John, you might as well start saving money now because. And you guys better stand in line for me and help me out. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll buy some Funko, too. We'll buy lot, lots of toys down there so we can invest wisely. Yeah, yeah there's a Funko lottery to be able to buy stuff at Comic-Con now. It's that crazy. Wow. Uh, other wrestling figure lines for you guys. Uh, AWA had a great line uh, back in the 80s. Uh, ECW with the San Francisco Toymakers. WCW with San Francisco Toymakers and Toy Biz. Uh, there's also a market for Japanese uh, action figures. I've got a couple. There's Lucha figures. Uh, micro Brawlers are out of a t-shirt shop up in Chicago. Pro Wrestling Tees. The Funko Pops we've talked about, uh, Loyal Subjects makes figures, and there, there's just tons and tons of action out there. But Mattel's by far got the most with over 100 waves now. Hmm. Uh, I didn't start buying them until I was 15, so I love them. I encourage you guys to buy them too. Yeah, we had a, I don't think we're as well-versed in, in toy knowledge as we should be. Yeah, I feel like I'm getting out-nerded on my own podcast <laughs> right now. So. Yeah. Well, that's why we bring in the experts. Yeah, we're just the host. Well, let's switch it to Star Wars, and we're, we'll might be on an even field. There we go. Well, that's a good segue, I think, into our final toy we're going to talk about, which happens to be Star Wars. So let, let's just give you some nerd facts and history, and then we'll talk about why these are, in my opinion, the best toys ever. First of all, the license for Star Wars action figures was offered in 1976 to Mego Corporation. They were really known for action dolls, but they turned it down. And I, I guess I'm kind of jumping ahead, but they at the time, Mego was the leading company in action figures in the 1970s. So they were pretty huge. Kids who grow up in the 70s love those Migos. I hate them. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, can you even play with them? I mean, kind of? A little. The heads were fine, but they, they were just, I didn't like them ever like, yeah. growing up. I'm yeah. with you on that. Yeah, and so Mego refused the offer, and the license was subsequently picked up by Kenner, Easy Bake Oven, Inspirograph, some other toys, which was a subsidiary of General Mills that was based in Cincinnati. Um, Jim 
Swerigen, uh, took the script and spearheaded producing the toys. For every dollar the toys would make, Lucas would make just five cents, and Kenner would uh, have a nice pro- profit of 95 cents on the dollar. Wow. And then, although the original Star Wars film had been released in May of 1977, Kenner was actually unprepared for basically the response from the film and the high demand of toys, essentially because George Lucas like didn't give any of the designs for characters and vehicles they were going to be in the movie movies i guess for fear of it being copyrighted or i guess you know stolen or whatever it was so he was really secretive about it and that again that put the toy lines really behind the eight ball so you guys watched the movie do you guys remember the uh classic christmas gift every kid got that year i don't no they got an empty box guaranteeing that they would get the first star wars figures that coming spring so it was a box with a picture of the Star Wars toys that were to come at a later date in the mail. That's amazing. That is amazing. I would have been really sad. I would have been excited, too. but also very yeah, I'd sad. Like, I gotta wait till the springtime for this. What? Yeah, that's that's freaking nuts. So, <laughs> Star Wars: A New Hope was the first film to successfully market toys based on the movie. In fact, they were so successful that George Lucas independently used the funds to finance the next two movies: The Empire Strikes Back and The Return of the Jedi. Demand for the action figures and accessories was such that Kenner continued to have difficulty fulfilling demand. Uh, They started making toys that were recycled or label slapping, which uh, basically took old toys and slapped the Star Wars logo on it. Uh, Previously, uh, toy companies usually liked to make TV show toys because kids would see that TV show on a regular basis. Movie toys hadn't been successful up until Star Wars. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And actually, the first four figures that were distributed were Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Chewbacca, and R2-D2. There was also a diorama a diorama display stand, some stickers, and a Star Wars fan club membership card. Who didn't want that? Yeah. And they originally had peg holes on their feet so they could stand on their own. Uh, the Gamorrean Guard was repurposed was a repurposed Friar Tuck from Robin Hood. Uh, the Ewok Village was a repurposed... Uh, from the Sherwood uh, Village from Robin Hood also. I I would imagine that happened a lot. And doing some research on these action figures, they really just kind of slapped different logos and repainted the heads, and they're like, okay, it's a brand-new character, a brand-new toy. Sales of Kenner's Star Wars range in 1978 reached 40 million units, uh, accounting for a revenue of $100 million. That's nuts. Yeah, and the base royalty deal was reworked for 18% just before the prequels, and the people at Kenner called it George's Revenge. Uh, movies have made $7 billion at the box office. The toys have made about twice that. And, John, to your point from earlier, the reason probably why movies weren't that popular is that at, you know in mid-1985, after the three original movies were released, people were like, eh, I'm not really into these toys anymore because it's out of sight, out of mind, and they actually stopped production. Yeah, and it's not like today where it's a movie gets released 16 or 14 weeks later, it's available digital, 16 weeks, it's... Uh, on DVD and Blu-ray. Back then, with the VHS tapes, it took months to come out. Months, months, months later before you got that VHS copy. Yep. Yeah, so you're losing time. So in the 70s and 80s, Kenner sold over 22 million toys a year. So a little bit about kind of legacy. First of all, now, again, everything's cyclical. And also, once things are kind of in front of you, you're like, oh, I need to buy something that goes along with that. In the mid-90s, they released the trilogy on Laserdisc and VHS pretty much 
propping up the upcoming Star Wars Special Edition, which they also released. And as a, as a result of that, toys started getting made again. All right. So Kenner was bought by Tonka in 87 and subsequently by Hasbro in 91. Uh, they took advantage of this and in 95 released the first new line of Star Wars action figures, again under the logo uh, Power of the Force. And now, um, Nowadays, there's just so much stuff. In fact, there's a place that has the most memorabilia, over 400,000 pieces. It's called Rancho Obi-Wan. Yeah, and the most elusive figure was rocket-firing Boba Fett. Boba. <laughs> it was a mail-in promotion based on a holiday special cartoon. They never released in retail because of Battlestar Galactica lawsuit with a kid getting plastic lodged in his throat. It's worth $20,000. So a little more on that. Uh, talking about Rancho Obi-Wan, one of my buddies uh, talked his wife into going there on their honeymoon. So while they were in California, they got to make a stop at Rancho Obi-Wan. So that I thought was really cool. Do you pay t- – uh, is, is there like entrance fee? I assume there's some ticket price, but this guy, it's a private collection. He just loves to show it off, uh, and it's just incredible. And talking about that rocket-firing Boba Fett, you hear all these people talk about, oh, I, I got one, I got one. It actually never got released. So through that mail-away deal, the rocket-firing never happened because there was an issue with another toy and a kid choking. So some of those rocket-firing Boba Fetts are just prototypes. There's very, very few in the world. And a lot of people said, well, I want that rocket fire action. So they were making customs and making their own Boba Fett's. <laughs> Boba Fett. That's yeah. one of my favorite characters. So they've released a bunch of other stuff that kind of goes along with Star Wars. I'm sure you've seen it on many different streaming devices or films or whatever it is. There's current cartoons like Clone Wars. The new trilogy. Yeah. And then Disney sales. So toys are going to be going for a while for Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, there's a theme park now at, at Disney uh, Land and Disney World, so. With that Galaxy's Edge out at Disney, they actually have their own exclusive toys you can only get at the park, and it makes collectors crazy, and it makes us have to go there to get these exclusive toys. Yep. And it just, it's really cool to see, um, like, the Resistance TV show toys, they're out also, and... The, the Clone Wars coming back this uh, fall on the Disney streaming service is going to be awesome. I love the Rebels toys personally, and they also also came out with like the series called or a series called the Black Series, and that's kind of their bread and butter for collectors now with the six inch. Uh, another cool thing they did was Haslab came out with uh, Jabba's sail barge, and people mm-hmm. had to pledge that they were going to pay five hundred dollars for this. And if they got 5,000 people to sign up, they'd go ahead and go forward with making it. So that was in 2018. They got their backing. They actually made about 8,000 of these things. So retail on it was $500. They're selling anywhere from twelve to 1500 now. Uh, they're awesome. They're huge. Very cool toy. So even if you pledged to get one, you could just turn around and sell it and make you know triple the profit, basically. Uh, some people were buying them totally with that intent. So they might have bought 11 or 12 of them and sold them all off and made a handsome little profit. Yeah, that's, that's smart. So I, as I mentioned, this is my favorite toy that I grew up playing. Did you guys have these at oh, all? Yeah. I had a ton of Star Wars toys, I yeah. I did not have them as a child, but I have them now. <laughs> so you're kind of like a big child still today anyway, but yes. 
Well, and I, and I, I look back on so some of the toys that I had. I had, and these are like collector's items now that would be worth a decent amount of money. I had the the Darth Vader and the Luke, both with the lightsaber arms, both with the plastic and with the cloth capes. So both versions of it that I destroyed by playing with, of course. I had the Ewok Village. I had Rancor that I still have that is missing an arm. Don't know how that happened. I think it was, you know, I'm sure there was some acting out version of. Well, Luke cut it off just like the Wampa. And that's, I'm sure I reenacted mm-hmm. that as a, as a young boy. I had the Speeder. And some of my rich friends, not me, had the full Millennium Falcon, like the original one. Wow. It's always impressive to look at that thing. I was, I had some of the smaller toys. I liked actually getting the lightsabers, like the big model lightsaber. I had Darth Maul's. This is a prequel, I know, but I had the Darth Maul double-edged lightsaber, which was just amazing that I played with all the time. Yeah, I love when they come out with new stuff, like that Darth Maul saber with the prequels. Uh, this fall, they're actually having Triple Force Friday. So at Toy Fair, at Comic-Con, Hasbro, and even Celebration was very tight-lipped on what toys were coming out. So it's going to be a big surprise this fall on, I forgot the date, it's a Friday. Uh, the toys for the new movie, the Mandalorian TV show, and the new video game are all going to drop at midnight on the same day, and collectors are going to be going nuts and buying them all up. Well, and speaking of the new shows and movies... John is rubbing his hands in excitement right now Well, yeah, speaking about that. When collectors yes. are excited, but also people who are enthusiasts about the shows, like they, they get spoilers, basically, of what kind of toys are mm-hmm. coming out. So they look for that just to figure out what's yeah. the show going to be about. I neglected when I introduced John to mention that he like ran Toys R Us forever. Right, John? Like you were the Toys R Us everything? I was uh, a Toys R Us kid, for sure. Uh, I worked at KB Toys for three years. I was a department supervisor at Toys R Us for uh, 13 years. Uh, I was actually featured on the Toys R Us website at one point as the expert collector. (laughs) That's quite a resume. That is quite a resume. Yes. Well, I think from both of us, I could say thanks for joining us. Yes. Thank you, John. We, We learned a lot today. Thank you, guys. This was fun. So... I get, yeah, well, Let's awesome shit. Yeah. Go ahead. Let's take do some it away. nerd outreach now, guys. So thank yous. As as usual, I would like to thank my wife and daughter for allowing me to be here and do this and have fun and to Clayton High School as well. He does this every time. It's this is, it's very cute. That's what we'll just call it. It's to make sure you can keep getting permission. I, I get it. I, Johnny, you want to thank anyone? Uh, thank you, Nerd is the New Cool. This was a lot of fun. Uh, just collect. Cool. Of course, thanks to our fans for tuning in. We really appreciate it. If you have any future show suggestions, as always, send them in to Nerd is the New Cool Podcast at gmail.com or any of the socials, tag us, hashtag Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. Yeah, and how to contact us on the socials, you can like or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, at Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. We're also on Twitter at Nerd is the New Cool, Nerd is the New CO2. And as always, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Just search Nerd is a New Cool Podcast and you'll find us. All right, guys. Thanks for listening today. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.